Welcome to Screenwriter's Survival Guide, the podcast about becoming a Hollywood screenwriter from somebody who's on that journey with you. Today on the show, in honor of New Year's, we're talking about our favorite films and TV shows of 2021. To help me with this, I'm joined by filmmaker Sabur Tahir, and we're going to be making our list of the top five movies and TV shows of the year. For the TV shows, every episode must have premiered within 2021. If you enjoyed our discussions here, I really encourage you to go listen to the pair of episodes we did on Sabur's podcast, Express and Refresh, where we did a deep dive on my former boss, Ridley Scott's two 2021 films, The Last Duel and House of Gucci. Links to both are in the show notes. But for now, Sabur, welcome to the show. for having me sam oh yeah man all right so i like to i kind of want to start off so this is the first of these like ranking podcasts i've done so i'm kind of basing it off of uh i think you you also listen to the ringer podcast a lot so we're, we're i'm gonna be channeling my sean fantasy here um so let's just start off support how did you feel about 2021 as a, a year for film and television you know i think it's been a very interesting year um i think it's been a huge thing for television Possibly because, you know, you had so many, you know, things on streaming services. You had so much stuff on Hulu, so much stuff on HBO Max, so much stuff of new content on Netflix. I really think it's been a great year for, um, it's been a great year for just streaming overall for, mm-hmm. for TV shows. Now for movies, movies has been kind of interesting because you haven't really been able to do, um, like they haven't really been able to break uh, numbers necessarily. Like we mm-hmm. haven't really been able to. However, and I know that there's Omar Khan right now, but as Omar mm-hmm. Khan is ruffling through Spider-Man, is breaking numbers. So maybe Hollywood will be back. I don't know. Spider-Man though has done very, very well. So I think it shows you that, hey, movies might be back. Um, and I think that's always yeah. a great thing. Um, I haven't honestly... Um, but I think it's been a very good year. You know, you've had so many big budget releases, you know, big, so many movie, uh, so many superhero movies, so many, um, so many big budget movies that you thought you'd never see when you were a kid that happened this year, you know, like Mortal Kombat and you know, Congress, Skull, uh, Congress, I think King Kong versus Go- Godzilla. Godzilla versus King Kong. Godzilla versus yeah. Kong or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter what the title of that movie is. But big, yeah, punchy, you've, had a, you've had a lot of great titles i think this year and i think it's been a really great job for tv and i think film is making comeback with so much uh you know so much content i think it's been really good and um yeah. i think the, and you know having worked at the movie theaters um i've worked actually i've worked so in 2021 i worked in technic if we're including january as 20 <laughs> and i guess january is 2021, 2021. i've worked in four different amcs i worked in wow. one in the Shamney, pa i worked in one in philadelphia pa and then i'm currently i'm flopping bath between my local theater in new jersey and mm-hmm. the one in boston common 19 which i am not trying to flex or self-entitle <laughs> anything but it is currently top three in the nation in terms of ticket sales for mm, theaters very nice so and it's in really well with spider-man so i yeah. know what it's like to kind of be in a compacted movie yeah. theater and i've dealt with it i've been on the front lines with all the mov- big budget movies yeah uh, in terms of tv shows though i haven't watched too much but i've watched a good amount so you know yeah. i think there's there's, there's yeah. a lot of good leeway for that but yeah, I, think, I have to say go ahead well i think i think you're right that film it hasn't seen a comeback box office wise but i think in terms of like quality wise or not necessarily even quality but like exciting movies we want to talk about i don't know if it if it is an especially good year for that but it feels like it just because of kind of the the desert it was last the the, that's not the right word the drought we had last year so that was we we had nothing last year in terms of like big exciting movies and that is where my heart lies i i know there's art films i know i should care about nomadland i thought it was a perfectly good movie but like that's not where my heart lies my heart lies in these big genre like exciting movies um and this has been just a great year for that. And it could just be like when you put it next to 2020. But I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, um, everything from like Dune to like, what was it? Like three Marvel movies again to- And, a, and Suicide Squad. And the Suicide movie. Squad. I forgot there's been so many like good movies like that this year that like I forgot they existed or even came out this year. Like the Suicide Squad was a really good movie. That was a yeah. really good superhero movie. And it's the title is just maybe one of the worst titles. It's up there with like Shawshank Redemption for like one of the worst titles to give a movie. But 
because it's, well, it's based off like, a comic the SEO book is team, just I think. awful. What? It's based off a comic book team. That's what they're called in the comics. No, 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 not not the name. I, I just mean for the SEO because there was a movie like two years ago that called Suicide Squad. Oh, they, I hear you. One. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think the, the name is cool inherently, but like I think it just it's bad when you put it next to its other movie. But yeah, I think also TV, especially like I was expecting this year to kind of suck in TV, um, because just because like I can't I, I cannot imagine what it's like shooting something at a big budget with covid protocols in place that just seems like a disaster and the fact that they're able to do it and still give us like amazing amazing seasons of television again and again and again is just like insane i can't i can't even imagine how they're able to do that yeah i mean i think there's been a huge opportunity for that you know you're having you know an hbo max you're having you know i mean game we all know how big game of thrones was and mm-hmm. uh, and you know the actors necessarily weren't you know kit harrington wasn't really a, you know a big time name you know sylvie turner not really a big time name mm-hmm. uh yeah, richard madden not a big time name now all of them big time names. The, yeah. the all the matter the, actually all three of them have started in marvel related projects the two of them started in one of the films eternals but like i said i think you know, HBO Max is really starting, you know, all these shows are starting to get, you know, big time Hollywood actors. You know? Yeah. I know this is 2020, but Netflix got, you know, Anya Taylor, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, HBO Max got Mayor of, uh, uh, Kate Winslet uh, for Mayor of Easttown. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, yeah, HBO, they've been able to do that for a while, but I think, yeah, it's still, there's some just really, well, I don't want to like step on this too much before we actually like, get into it, but like, yeah, there's just been, there've been some amazing TV experiences this year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. So Disney Plus has done a great job too with their Marvel TV shows. I think they've done a great job with those. Yeah. I haven't watched those as much, but I've heard really good things about them. I watched WandaVision. That was last year, I think. Was that this year? I can't remember. No, that was 2021, March. It's been oh, a gotcha. long year. Yeah, it's been a long it's been a weird one. It's been a long and a simultaneously very short year. Somehow both things are true. I don't understand how, but somehow. Yeah. All right. So what so talk us through how you made your uh, list this year like what are the parameters you put in yeah so in order to make my list this year i think what i did was i uh i i basically worked at the movie theater and i well i was in the movie theater and you know i'm able to get free tickets to watch movies so i can just watch them whenever i want so Mm -hmm. to do my list really what i did was i kind of just looked at my letterbox and then i kind of looked about okay what did this movie have you know what were the performances what was the story um kind of what did the movie do for me um, and what did it do for the story and kind of mm-hmm. what did it, what did I take away from the experience? And I feel like yeah. that's kind of what you have to look at every movie. Um, like mm-hmm. what did you take away from it? And I think that is something that you look away, you look at any movie, like, did you have a good time? Did you enjoy the experience? Is there a lot you could talk about? You know, yeah. I think, you know, sometimes even bad movies, I mean, uh, could have been like on this list because there's a lot I took away from it and yeah. you know, maybe that like, and they're enjoyable. But in terms yeah. of like, but I also, but with that being said, though, I also took quality in there. Like, did it, was it a well-made movie? Yes, that's also mm-hmm. a factor. There's a whole multitude of factors into what, to, uh, yeah. what what I thought about for these movies. Yeah, for me, it was, enti- like, I this podcast isn't big enough yet for me to get hate. Maybe people will binge binge listen to this some years in the future when it's huge, and then they'll when you know when you're a successful list, but... screenwriter, they're gonna they're gonna find this podcast and they're gonna go like and Let's they're look gonna at this podcast for something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. For, for a choice. And you're I not made. gonna get any more jobs. It's unfortunate. But I made. I don't. I, there's a lot of really great filmmaking. Like I already mentioned, with Nomadland. No shade on Nomadland. It's a good movie. But like, there's there's a lot of of filmmaking that that is really high quality that I just don't react respond to. And so this show this this year i also put more tv shows than films on my list and um for me it was all about the experience i had while watching them it was all about how i felt when i was watching these movies and and shows and so things that i'm sorry but movies like belfast licorice pizza west side story king richard the humans come on come on none of those movies are going to make it on my list and i i'm sorry for that i know a lot of people are going to be like those you probably probably just mentioned the uh, best picture winner runner-up and several others but I am uh, I just don't respond to those kind of movies so for me it was just about did I get an awe-inspiring like did I feel very strongly the things these filmmakers wanted me to feel and also for me another aspect of it is did this make me want to write something so a tv show um, 
I have a love-hate relationship with actually writing, with actually sitting down and writing. And for me, a TV show that can actually inspire me to want to go get in front of my computer and write something, that is a big deal for me. So that is kind of where, where I uh, base my criteria around for this one. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, taking away kind of, you know, takeaways can be multiple things and, you know, wanting yeah. to write something or inspired by a story. I think it's great. And I think movies is another way of reading or books, kind of how we're inspired by that. And I feel like that's a great, you know, example of yeah. something like that. And TV. I mean, I say this all the time. The gap between TV and film is no longer as big as it seems now. And with the streaming services now, it's getting closer. Big budget TV. Exactly. Yeah. It's getting closer. I mean, especially if you look at things like Black Mirror, like that, that TV show is ostensibly a movie. Like they're just like five movies put next to each other. They're not really like, especially with like, what was that? I never, I didn't watch it, unfortunately, but like Small Acts is something people talked about a lot this year, where it's like, it's a TV show, but it's really just five movies, it's completely separate movies they put next to each other. And it's great. They, they are, things are blending together. And I think pretty soon video games are going to start to blend together too, but um, shout out. Uh oh, storytelling. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's all about storytelling. All right. Before we get into our list, do you have any honorable mentions? Oh yeah, that's a good point. Well, I guess I could start honorable mentions. So I think for my honorable mentions, I probably might start with uh, that's a good. Hmm, that is tough. I might, I might, I probably might have to go with uh, with probably. In the Heights, I think In the Heights was an interesting film. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought I want to give that an honorable mention because I think it was a good experience. Um, yeah. I just want to I want to bring it up because I think it was a good musical made movie and because John M. Chu is going to direct the Wicked movie, which I think will be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had issues with it. So I think it was good because I had a lot to talk about. And I think it's I think I think it kind of inspired me to kind of do my own thing. Um, I think that was something that I really took away from the movie. Like, OK what did it do well in and what kind of worked it in. So I think it did a good job in terms of like understanding what are the priorities were in that. Yeah. And I think, and I think it was a good musical, good story, but it also kind of showed me like, okay, how can you fix this? So I think that's something, another thing movies uh, make, as I do remember one person, I forget the director's name, but one person who says there was a guy, I don't remember the quote, but he said that, um, a movie that you if you lo- if you watch a movie that you like or there's a guy a director who says that he, wa- he watches more movies that he doesn't like than he what well, he does like because if he watches a movie huh. he doesn't like then you know he can't do anything with it but if he watches a movie he doesn't like and he can you know work around that and see oh how can i make this movie better huh. so i think that is something you know as a filmmaker standpoint if I, there's a movie i don't like which yeah. this movie it's not it's not terrible it's not like bad i got i gave it a seven out of ten and it was well received by critics. So it could potentially be a best picture uh, candidate for the Oscars. I just think, no, you know, there were some things. So. That... Oh, not anymore, but. No one you know, watched I thought, it. I... Oh, wow. I went to IMAX. All right. Anyways, yeah. regardless of such, I thought it was yeah. interesting uh, in that standpoint. Yeah. Um, another, sta- another, another one I want to say is Green Knight. I thought Green Knight was a very, very great film. Beautifully yeah. shot. The See, story, though. I have, I have real issues story. with the Green Knight. But you you say your piece, then I want to say I've got real issues with that movie. The story, um, well, I mean, I think your issue, I mean, my issues were I did have issues, but like the story, yeah. like, I was kind of boring, but the, it was pretty kind of beautifully shot. So I guess you kind of have to take it away, like symbolism and everything like that. Like yeah. I, I think I haven't done all the research on it, but I did like the shot, the, the shots of the movie, and I did like the costumes and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And the story was okay, but I think it could have been better. But, yeah, for, but that's. I- for me, I think it's interesting because it really does highlight the difference between a um, writer's mindset and a director's mindset, I think. And it's super interesting. I think a director's, I've noticed this um, a lot from, from other directors that uh, a lot of times there, there's a lot more consideration taking, taken into a film. So it's not just about the story and the characters, but it's about the cinematography and the score and the underlying themes and things like that. And for me, and for I think a lot of writers I've spoken to, like it really is, if the story isn't there or if the characters aren't there, it isn't, it doesn't work for them. And that's what I had an issue with with Green Knight that I, it just, I, I very strongly believe you have to tell a great story first and then all of your symbolism goes on top of telling a great story. And the Green Knight was too focused on the symbolism and telling this, all these weird little tangents and, and these these metaphors and, and um, connections to, to old pieces of literature that they never actually remember to tell a, a fascinating story. 
and I, the character motivations were kind of all over the place. And if you can't, I always say this, if I have to watch an article or read an article in order to understand what happened in your movie, the story of your movie and really get that, I, it's not a good movie for me. Like I, I, I want to be able to, to watch it at its level and then do the research after that to find the more like um, subtle things like fiends and stuff like that. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that. You know, I think that was one of the problems I had with the movie. Like I didn't like, you know, I think it, the story wasn't quite there and I feel like it was doing more than it was. Most. It was, I mean, to say it was like an art film, an experimental film, I guess you could advertise it as that, but because- But, but that's they didn't advertise it, it like that. They no, advertised they it like it was a big budget kind of like um, yeah. fantasy film, like a Game of Thrones type thing. Yeah, exactly. And but that's, that's the, you know, if you're, yeah. Yeah, and that's you know, really quickly. I'm gonna run through my honorable mentions. Um, Go ahead, real quick. Uh, just shout out if you have any ideas, uh, if you have any thoughts on them. Uh, so first up is Spencer, um, which I thought I, I am not a biopic guy, so I was like almost didn't bother with Spencer, um, but it really isn't. It isn't a biopic in a traditional sense. It's more of I don't know what to call it. I know I've already shouted out Sean Fennessy at The Ringer. He called it a horror movie. I think that's dead wrong. But it is. it certainly borrows elements from those more genre filmmaking uh, types of films. And I don't really know what to call it at the end of the day. But I thought it was very interesting. And I was very pleasantly surprised by that one. Have you seen Spencer? I actually haven't. Yeah. Uh, but I will love to see it at some point. Yeah. Um, next up is The White Lotus, which I just thought was it was just very, it, it was some, it was, it somehow like towed the line of being perfectly uh, like a, a beach read of a film, of a TV show, but also uh, telling like a real, like introducing real complex themes about, you know, a class and uh, white privilege and all these things, but not doing it in a way that felt preachy um, and really giving each character the time to be human and then also be a caricature. And I thought those, it was just very interesting about that. Yeah, White Lotus, I think, is a TV show, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, I just yeah. got HBO Max, yeah. so I got yeah. a lot of binging you to do. You got to watch it, man. It's a good one. A lot of binging to do. Yeah. So, The French Dispatch. Um, this is actually the first Wes Anderson movie I'd ever seen all the way through. Well, oh, I think my, I saw, me too, me too. Yeah, I think I saw Fantastic Mr. Fox when I was a kid, and I didn't like it as a kid, because I was like, this is not what I want after a kid's movie. But, uh, well, it's actually based off a kid's day. book, and I actually saw that. Too. I know, because I, I liked it. the book a lot. And then I, oh. I watched the movie and I'm like, what the fuck is this? But uh, I think I think if I watched it today, it'd be good. But French Dispatch, very good. Very. Um, I think if, if you want kind of a, if you want, if, if you want to show someone like, what is Wes Anderson? It see, this seems like a good movie to be like, this is Wes Anderson. It's like the most little Wes Anderson pieces uh, put together. So I thought that was a very interesting watch. None of the stories were interesting enough that I would want a feature film of them but i thought as like small chunks they worked really well all right and last but not least is night house um which i was just very surprised by that the title is kind of like odd and so i kind of expected it to be like b-rated crappy horror movie but it's very effective and what i what i really i find interesting about horror movies kind of how i gauge my uh metric with horror movies is are they able to take something that uh, we don't usually find terrifying and make it terrifying. And if, if so, is that thing they're making terrifying interesting? So like A Quiet Place did that for sound and like noise is what kills you. You know, Bird Box did it with birds. I don't know, sight, that, that wasn't a great yeah, movie. Yeah. But um, like all of these kind of the best horror movies, I think Candyman did a very good job of doing that with mirrors, making you scared of mirrors. Every time you saw a mirror, it was it was a, a dangerous. Nighthouse does that very effectively with, with negative space and stuff not being there. And I don't want to spoil anything about the movie. I'm going to try to keep this a non-spoiler podcast, but like of course, I thought of course. it did a very interesting job of like making you scared of seeing nothing. And that was the scare was when there was nothing to see. And I thought that's just very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember watch. I remember when that movie came out, um, I didn't really think too much of it. I actually didn't bother seeing it. Um, yeah. Not a big horror movie guy, but uh, yeah. I might, I might see it. Rebecca Hall. I don't, not too familiar with her work, but I might check it out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you. Yeah. All right, man. Um, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and we will be right back with our top five. 
All right, and we are back. So, Sabur, what was your top five favorite film or TV show of this year? So, top five, I'm probably going to go with uh, The Quiet Place, um, part two. Yeah. Uh, more specifically. Yeah. Um, I really like this film. I think it was so good. Um, and because I think, um, I think I wanted to watch it because, you know, it was in the theaters. I'm like, you know, this could be an interesting film. So, I remember I watched the first one, and I really loved the first one. Then I watched the second one and I actually love both of them. And like, I think what, what I like so much about the quiet place was because um, like you said, the sound, I thought that was really good. Um, just how they handled that. And also kind of how they created like this, this world where mm-hmm. like, you know, the aliens are kind of, you know, the aliens are blind, but you know, they're very attracted to sound. And so kind of like what they had to do in order to um, what they had to do in order to, survive and i think they did yeah. a good job establishing what they had to do to survive in this world and i think that was great and i think it was really great for the characters in the film because i really think they kind of took a step forward in this film they kind of like yeah. showed themselves and mm-hmm. i think it was also um you also got a background to like how the aliens kind of came or something like that you kind of got that i think that mm-hmm. was really cool um you also got um you know just like you, what I think was great about the film is you kind of see, you saw the characters kind of, you know, making that huge change, like a huge yeah. you know, progression. And I feel like, you know, you watch any film or, you know, I guess this is essentially maybe now a story that's being told um, in three different movies or uh, mm-hmm. one story told in three different movies because the way that, you know, the first film ended, it kind of like, you know, there's also something that's left to be desired. So I think the story, I don't know if John Krasinski intentionally wanted it, the film to be, I don't know if he wanted to be three movies, but I guess that's how it is now. Hmm. And the way that they handle that, I think it's amazing because this is kind of like if this movie, let's say it's combined into one like nine hour or however long movie it is. You, this is like the climax where the characters are kind of making, um, uh, you know, I think that the, the, the characters are kind of making that change. So I think what I like about this movie is how the characters made that, you know, jump and change. Yeah. You got more clarity uh, for the aliens um, because I think John Krasinski thought, you know, hey, if we're going to make it more movies, why don't we give clarity to what happened? Mm-hmm. And I like how creative, you know, just the characters were and the acting. The acting was incredible. And I think what John Krasinski, I don't know if he mentioned this first one, but I liked how he was, I liked how he cast the deaf actor um, to mm-hmm. be play the de- his deaf daughter in the movie. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. And she did a great job in that, uh, in her performance. I thought that was really great. So yeah. really, I just loved, um, I just loved the way that they, that what happened. And I love the sound design of the movie. I think the sound design was so great. Yeah. And that's definitely, yeah, yeah. I just love the movie. I thought it was great. And it's a I really think, good horror movie too. Mm-hmm. I think this, I think, uh yeah i think you're right sound is definitely the king to that movie i had i definitely had my issues with that that second film i think a lot of those issues was just based around hype and that the movie was carrying so much weight on its shoulders because it was basically there were a lot of first films back um in 20 i just heard someone say that west side story is the first film back which i just thought was ridiculous because there have been so many but um what uh quiet place part the first film back like from COVID, sorry, like the first oh, big I got film you, back. You. Like, yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, the, but A Quiet Place Part Two was like really the first major film back from COVID. And I think it, it just, it was carrying so much weight that at least for me, I, I think I was putting more on it than it deserved to have and needed to have. Um, but I definitely thought it was pretty effective in, in parts. I thought there were some very tense sequences. Um, there's definitely some very interesting use, you know, they're, they're very good about being very economical with, with, their sound and their scares and they still kept the, you know, the monsters were still relatively hidden throughout most of it. You definitely saw more of them, but it wasn't explosive and huge. And I, I didn't think it was a pretty solid sequel. That one didn't make my list, but um, my number five is hacks. And that is my like top pick for TV shows that you can just sit with the characters. And I know there's a lot of like, a lot of directors and writers don't like shows like these anymore. There's a lot of like uh, stigma against them. That's the old way of doing TV. That's not how we do it anymore. But I just want at the end of the day to go, sa- I think there's a place for it doesn't have to be garbage, like like trashy, uh, like ABC stuff, but it also doesn't have to be um, extremely serialized, extremely prestige, uh, like frankly, uninteresting art films. And I think hack 
uh, shows. And I think Hacks really hits that sweet spot of just being very, very, like you want to spend the time with these characters. You want to be in their presence at all times, but it also tells a story. It progresses us through. We really care about these characters. They grow and change, but I can turn on any episode of that show and just sit with them and enjoy the warm feeling that kind of like courses through me at that, at that moment. So Hacks was kind of my fifth favorite um, experience uh, of watching media this year. Have you seen Hacks? Have you uh, experienced that at all? I believe that's on HBO Max, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so you probably just got it. It's another one to add to the list yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, I think what you're saying about, um, you know, definitely something that I want to see, um, kind of when you talk about, like, you could just watch the movie, uh, watch TV show, excuse me, and, like, just kind of do that. I think that's, you know, what you're describing with the TV show. I think that's great because... I think sometimes, you know, TV, you can't, I mean, even though we, like we said, the, the, the gap between TV and film is, um, is kind of, you know, slowing down. I think as hacks, you know, from what you said and from what I've heard about it, it's like, I think, you know, TV shows sometimes are not supposed to be like, you know, they could be whatever you want them to be, but sometimes TV shows can be just something you can just turn on and you can just, you know, have fun with the characters and just ease into it. And, yeah. you know, I think that's something that I think the show can bring. And I think that's what a lot of people want in the shows. You know, it's why so many people like The Office, why some people like The yeah. Parks and Rec, because you can just turn it on in Seinfeld and just, you know, have fun with the characters. Yeah. Just be, you know, hang out with some characters for however many episodes or however long it is. And I feel well, like sometimes that that's all it is. Yeah, yeah but I, what I think is so amazing about Hacks is that it, it does both. So it, it does the, I just want to sit with these characters and they're really just fun to, to hang out with. But yet it also treats them with real humanity. You know, this isn't, you know, I love The Devil Wears Prada. Great movie. But I, it, it isn't that. It isn't like this character, this well-intentioned character faces off against pure evil, which is, I think, it, it's a it's a way you kind of, it, it's definitely a comp. You would say it's The Devil Wears Prada, but it's in Vegas. And Hacks isn't like that. It gives both of these characters, like, redeeming qualities and both of them flaws. And they both have something to teach the other one, which is so interesting. And they're instead of this woman, um, the Gene Smart's character, and I can't believe I'm blanking on her name, Deborah Vance. Instead of Deborah Vance just teaching uh, this writer like uh, how to not be an asshole, or instead of this writer just teaching Deborah Vance not to be like uh, a boomer, you know, that they, they are they are both teaching each other something real, and they do that all while simultaneously being just entertaining and fun, and that is something that is a really fine line, a really tough line to walk, I think, in shows. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. And I think it was nominated for a couple Emmys, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was. I think it won something, but I could be wrong. Because I think Jean Smart maybe won for, for her her part, maybe. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely hear you on that. You know, definitely definitely something to, to keep in mind, yeah. for sure. What was your um, fourth favorite film of the year? So my fourth favorite film, mm, it's, it's uh, prob- I'm probably going to have to say no Time to Die. I think No okay. Time to Die is my fourth favorite film. Um, so going into this film, I think it was interesting um, because, um, you know, in the podcast that I made, uh, which I talked about, I think it made me watch more movies because, you know, hey, maybe we could talk about it. So No Time to Die. I always wanted to get into James Bond, um, mm-hmm. you know, because I know it's like a, he's a fan favorite character. Um, he's loved by so many people. I think... Um, you know, I think this film was so interesting. Um, it was so interesting because uh, of like, kind of like you kind of have this like summary, this summary kind of like a closing. It's like a, it's like the finished movie, the epilogue. I want to say epilogue, but more of like this epic final last hurrah, mm-hmm. last crusade, whatever. Yeah. It was. And I think what was interesting about this movie was kind of the journey it made me take on. Cause like, okay, mm-hmm. I want to see this movie cause we're playing it and I have time and all my friends are telling me to watch it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'll go watch this. So what I did was, I binge watched all four of the movies. And so what I like this movie so much is because of the journey it took me on um, for what the movie is. Like I watched the Casino Royale. I watched Quantum of Solace. I watched Skyfall and I watched, um, what was the last one? I think it was Spectre. And then yeah. I watched No Time to Die. So I like this movie. Not missing. Now the movie itself, I can get into that. The movie itself, I think it was great. I think the movie was great. It was three hours long, but I think it was really captivating. It kept you, you know, engaged for so long. The reason why this movie is not higher than why it is is because of the villain. I mean, the I mean, the only bad thing about this was the villain. The villain, I like. There were two technically villains in the movie. 
well, the main villain was Rami Malek. The other character was uh, uh, Christoph Waltz's character, Blofeld. Um, the two things, I think it's kind of interesting because uh, I love what they did with Blofeld's character because Spectre was not a good movie. And they kind of, I wouldn't say retconned the character, but they kind of brought the character in better light. They kind of rewrote him. Like he was well-written in this movie. However, the problem was because they did so much work on rewriting him, they did, forgot about Rami Malek's character. And mm-hmm. I couldn't understand his, his motive for, for destroying the world or whatever. I didn't like that. Uh, but apart from that, I loved, you know, the mission Bond went on, you know, the kind of, you know, closure for his life, closure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was really just about closure, you know, finding out, you know, to finally putting Spectre to the end and then stopping the other evil agency that he was in there because apparently Spectre has been... Wait, you know, sorry, we're getting very close to spoiler territory. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Well, well, the movie is all about, you yeah. know, him just, I guess, thank you for yeah. catching that. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's on DVDs now, so apologies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the movie is great. Um, it's really just about a wrap-up of his... It's really just a wrap-up of his um, journey throughout the four films. I think that's great. Um, and I think that's what it is. It's a proper send-off for the character. Um, and it really just brings closure to him and it, it, it really brings all five movies together. And I think that's great. However, um, I, and I think why I love it so much is because it introduced me to a movie that I love so much a lot now is Skyfall. Skyfall, Mm -hmm. I think is like definitely like in my top 10 of all time, maybe top 15. Wow. I don't know. I have to rework my top 15, but it's so good. And the reason why it's so good is because Javier Bardem, Javier Bardem is probably one of my favorite actors now. He's like definitely my top five. Um, Mm -hmm. Um, I love Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem is great, and he was a great uh, job as a villain. And that movie stands out as the best because it's kind of a standalone movie. Like it doesn't really interact with all the other four movies. Like they don't really talk about any of. They don't really. It doesn't really. It, it sometimes it acknowledges the previous two, but like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't. Not really. It's kind of a standalone movie, and I feel like that's good. So I appreciate No Time to Die for that. But I think if you guys like No Time, if you guys really like uh, No Time to Die. Or if you guys really like James Bond, I think this movie is so great because of the 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 end uh, because of just the, the the story it has and because of closure of the character. And I'm so grateful that you know Daniel Craig decided to come back and do it one more time because mm-hmm. I know he was having a fight like no I don't want to do this again yeah and like they're like they're like money and he's like okay fine I'll take money and then <laughs> money is and good. then and I think I think also he did it because you know Sector was not well received by many and I'm like you know what. Let me do it one more time to give people justice. So yeah. I think I think he did a great job with justice um, and, you know, sending this character off, um, sending the character, you know, having his character, you know, have a good closure to the whole, mm-hmm. his whole story. Yeah. That he was on in the first movie. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> My number four. Any thoughts on No Time to Die? Sorry. <laughs> on a... No, you're good. Um, I, I, I like No Time to Die. I thought it was a very... I thought it was a very solid. I'm not a huge James Bond person. I, I definitely enjoyed the film. Um, I thought I, I definitely agree. I hear what you're saying about Remy Malik. I agree. It, you know, I think, look, James Bond villains are a stereotype for a reason. They're the, you know, the, the mustache twirling, uh, you know, bad guys who, who often just want chaos because chaos. And uh, so I think, you know, he, he lived up to the legacy of those villains very well. But I, I agree it was not those, those movies, because I think they sometimes lack character development and they sometimes lack um, uh, real stakes or like real, well, the real stakes, but like actual stakes that we care about. I think that I, I don't respond to them super well, uh, but no, I, I really enjoyed No Time to Die. I thought it was uh, a really solid, uh, solid film, really just fun to go sit in a movie theater for three hours and like, you know, car chases, explosions. It was like one of those great back to movies moments for, the, for me this year. See it in an IMAX theater, crowded IMAX theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. My number four is Mayor of Easttown. Um, this is another HBO show, so you probably haven't seen it um, nope. because of the because of the new HBO Max. But um, so HBO does these every, you know, every couple of years, every twice a year, probably, I'd say, um, where they do a show that is it's basically like a murder mystery and it's like a cop procedural, but like with a prestige element. Um, sometimes it's a mini series. Sometimes it's a multiple, you know, there's multiple seasons, but usually it's maximum three or four seasons. So like Big Little Lies, The Undoing, The Outsider, um, Landscapers is a new one. They, they do these all the time. And they're all very good. They're all solid. Uh, the Night Of, that's another one. Um, and they're all very good. Uh, they're all very solid, like um, crime procedurals with a prestige element to them. 
But, and that's kind of what I went into Mary of Easttown expecting. I was like, oh, it's like HBO's 2021, like summer 2021 uh, crime show. And it's so much more than that. This show is maybe one of the best, like just best made TV shows I've ever seen. It is, it, it handles exposition in a way I've never seen other shows or movies doing exposition where without getting into spoiler territory, most shows that deal with exposition, they are, um, they're telling it that, that, that if you, if you have good exposition, you're hiding it, you're, you're hiding it in the dialogue, you're hi hiding expositional moments in the dialogue, but your goal is still to tell people what's going on. Mare of Easttown handles exposition very differently, where it actively leans into the, um, to the kind of assumptions we make about characters and character relationships and how they interact with one another. And then it uses those to create twists where we the, we, the audience, create all of these assumptions about who characters are in relation to one another at the beginning of the show. And it, it has the gall to like wait until episode four to be like, well, we never explicitly said that this is this person's mother rather than their sister or whatever. And that's not an actual thing, but that's an example. And then it, it puts the entire show in a new context. And I've never really seen that done as beautifully as they do in Mare of Easttown. It, and it, it just shows such grasp over narrative. So it, they go into the, the killer gets revealed in episode three of six, which is just, or at the beginning of episode four or something. So there's a solid two episodes of show where the killers, you know who the killers are. And there are some like twists, you know, there's definitely some twists that happened before then, but they just do so much. They just do so much brilliant writing that just completely subverts the genre of this kind of prestige procedural cop 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 drama they do um at hbo and i i can't uh, recommend it enough it is a brilliant piece of filmmaking with beautiful performances of course you know i got yeah, sorry to, hey, i wish i could say yeah wish i could okay, say just great the they're show. great yeah every time you think you know what's going to happen in that show it doesn't and they go a completely different direction and yet the, the mark of a good TV show that they go in a completely different direction, but that is simultaneously the only direction they could have gone in that would make sense. And it is, it is just, I, I can't, I can't talk about it any more highly than that. All right. So what is your third favorite film this year? All right. My third favorite film. Now we're getting into kind of, I don't know if it's stereotypical, but my third favorite film this year is King Richard. Um, King Richard. I really enjoyed this film. Uh, I think a lot of people thought this would kind of be like an Oscar bait film. Uh, that's what I guess most people, I mean, not myself, but a lot of people thought about this. I think this was a really, really great film. Um, I liked it so much, and there's a multitude of reasons. First of all, I think the story, um, I think to most people, the story kind of is not as interesting. I mean, I thought it was very interesting, or it's it's kind of maybe, stereotypical. I don't know if it's stereotypical or anything like that, but I think the story had a good source material nonetheless it had really good source material and the reason why is because you know you have these two famous athletes serena and venus williams you know both of them are very highly respected in both of their fields um i think they're both tennis players serena is arguably one of the best female tennis players of all time venus is not bad either she's like i think top five top ten in, as well um and i think the source material is interesting um and i found it really interesting so i think that's why uh, number one why i was interested in seeing this um, and then you kind of have Will Smith and Will Smith, you know, we all know, we all love Will Smith. Uh, we know him as, you know, Men in Black, um, Independence Day, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, you know, the list goes on, you know, for his more comedic roles. I think mm -hmm. that's what we know him from. But we know he can also be a, a dramatic actor. Films like Ali or like uh, The Pursuit of Happiness or... Mm -hmm concussion we know that he can be this so i think that was an interesting factor and obviously the more the movie was more in the in the lines of you know a more dramatic tone um and i and you know that's something that i saw so i really think this film did a great job with uh with uh, i think will smith specifically did a great job with handling you know taking on this dramatic mm -hmm. role and he did a great job just kind of you know perform portraying himself as this you know the character of a father and I really think the story was so interesting because of kind of where Venus and Serena came from. And yeah. I think you really kind of understand. And I feel like Will Smith did a great job of understanding where they were from, but also kind of pushing them to kind of be, you know, the tennis players that they are. I really think you see um, that kind of growth. 
And I think that is something yeah. that I love from the movie is, is the efforts that you see from Will Smith. Like he does a great job acting by pushing, you know, Serena and Venus, the actors, actresses, by the way, they played them were great. Mm-hmm. I think he did such a great job with that story and just, and they paid really good homage to the source material, paying really good homage to what the characters uh, look like and everything like that. And really just um, did a great job with portraying the importance of the world. And biopics uh, bio are, you know, hard to get by. Some people don't like them as much. I thought this was a really great job just because of what it was, what the movie was trying to do. I think it did a great yeah. job and it, and it handled that with the great performances. So I think yeah. it was great because of the performances and because of what you, you kind of really got to see where Serena and Venus came from and why, uh, you know, why their father pushed them to be so good because he knew they would be so good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I have not seen uh, King Richard. Um, I almost fired it up on HBO Max one night, and then I, these movies just don't speak to me. Um, this is the only one on your list, I think, that I haven't seen, and I'm sure it's a fantastic movie. I'm sure it's great, uh, but yeah, they just they, these ones don't speak to me. All right, so my third favorite film is the actual first film I've had on my list. I keep saying film, even though mine have been shows so far. My third favorite film was Dune, and I don't know what I have. You, you've seen Dune, I assume. I have seen Dune. It is just massive in scope and it was just i mentioned when you were talking about no no time to die that uh it i was it was nice to be back in a theater full of people dune i I saw no time to die in imax and i got a little bit of that like tingly that tingly like oh my god i'm back in a movie theater i saw dune in a digital theater so not imax with a much smaller crowd and i just the entire movie non-stop i was having those like tingly i'm back this is a movie feelings the score is just gorgeous and i think it does a lot of work to to make this film as epic as it is but Denis Villeneuve has he may be the the single best cinematographer he's not a cinematographer but he may have the single best cinematography eye of any director working today um i think at least for like super flashy cinematography there's something to be said for like smaller scale back um, visuals as well but in terms of just like sprawling epic cinematography he is the best and this movie you know there's there's definitely arguments to be made that uh timothy chalamet's character is is not necessarily the most original or interesting and then there's counter arguments to be made that dune came out long before star wars or harry potter or any of these other things that that have this you know boy wizard um storyline and i i see both sides but i think there's just something like i said i met i um i've always said that the, the movie that made me want to make movies was harry potter not uh not the godfather not star wars not anything like that it was harry potter and it was i think it's this like there there's something there's some itch that, that those books scratched that i i felt like i i never felt that again a little bit during the hunger games but until this Dune film, it is just I, I cannot um, I cannot uh, talk about more and more highly. It was just an amazing movie. What do you think of Dune? Yeah, I I saw Dune too. I thought about including it in my list. Um, I think I, it's definitely um, I was I'm, it's definitely an honorable mention that I didn't mention. Um, but it's an honorable mention for me. I think Dune was a really good film in terms of that you know cinematic um, masterpiece. I think it was that. Um, I think the cinematography was phenomenal. I hope it wins uh, all awards for cinematography because I think what Dune is, is I think Dune, um, it's based off a book of novels um, and it's not a, I mean, I hope this is not a spoiler, but there is a sequel coming out. So Mm -hmm. I don't, that's just, that's just general news. (laughs) So this is a part one movie. So I didn't know this and many people didn't know this, but this is a part, I guess it was, I guess, I guess like a part one movie essentially. And so um it's basically kind of you know an introduction to like this world um and i feel like it did a great job like in terms of what it needed to be like in terms of an introduction to experiencing these new characters and i think it did a great job establishing what the characters are and who the villains were for this uh story now in terms of the movie um cinematically i think it was great you kind of got to experience you know these different worlds with arrakis i think um, the costumes were amazing. You mm-hmm. kind of felt like you were in this different world. Um, and, you know, I uh, gratefully was able to see it in IMAX. Now, IMAX was packed. It was was crazy. Um, so it wasn't like, I wasn't the most comfortable, if you know what I mean. But <laughs> I was, 
in IMAX though, but I think it was great. And when you're in IMAX, you really get that sound design, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the loud sound, and it really makes you experience everything. So yeah. the sound is also another thing that I liked in this movie was the sound. Um, and I think that was uh, probably the best part because, you know, you really were engaged. And one thing that we always like in movies is um, that feeling of being immersed. And I feel like the movie did a great job immersing yourself in the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I took away from this movie of being immersed. And yeah, I love the movie for that. I think it was so good. Um being immersed in the movie i think it was really good the one thing that i didn't like and many people uh think i was like it kind of even though it was an introduction movie which i realized it kind of didn't really have a lot of action it kind of had like an action like towards the climax but when the action did happen so i think the pacing is kind of the only thing i didn't like about the movie that's why mm-hmm. i would have it higher yeah pacing but apart from that like everything else was so good about the movie and the characters were really well written i have yeah. to say um, now this is based off source material, but Denis Villeneuve did a great job adapting it, and I think that's um, really, really great stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, but great, yeah. great movie overall. Great I think it was phenomenal. All right, what's your number two? Number two. Okay, now this is I told you this prior. This has nothing to do with you working at uh, Ridley Scott. This is just <laughs> me actually liking the movie. All right. Of I love Last Duel. Last Duel. I really liked it. I know we have a podcast about Last Duel. You should go listen. Oh yes, link in the uh, down below show notes. Yes, we made a podcast on it. He and this is how we kind of met too, and that's interesting. But Last Duel was so good, and I know technically, I mean, I I, even though like there are other movies I may have necessarily like like maybe more than it cinematically made better, but I think this movie was in terms of better. I think it was. I think I have it number two because of the experience I had. So I always say this, when I was in the movie, I was crunching on water, uh, water bottle and M&M's. M&M's, classic thing, go-to thing. I loved it. And when I talk about immersion, I was really, really immersed in this movie. I was so immersed in this movie. I think it was great. And I think what made this movie so good is because it really immersed you in the, in, in the movie because you got, really got to feel for the characters, mm-hmm. but also because of the unique style of way this movie was told. This movie was shot so differently than kind of what I was expecting and what most people were expecting as you kind of got to see like, you know, different uh, parts of the story kind of go in there. And it's also interesting because you got to really focus on the different perspectives of each character. It's like everyone's like, I liked how it was told through someone's different point of view. And when that happened, you kind of mm-hmm. learn more and more about the plot and you kind of yeah. learn more and more about people's relationships. And I think that was so interesting. And you and I have described this before on our podcast, we were both on the edge of our seats and, yeah. you know, I mean, any movie, you're on the edge of the seats. I'll take that any day of the week. I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, you know, I was stressed out. I was stressed, but like, yeah, just the way that the movie made me yeah. feel. I think it did a great job immersing myself. And that's why I have to put it number two. And also the w- unique way it was told, like the way it was yeah. shot. And, you know, your boss, I guess he's, he's your boss, Ridley Scott. He did a great <laughs> <two> job. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did a great job shooting this film. Um, I loved it. I loved it so much. It really immersed you. I, I think, and it's unfortunate that, you know, not many people got to see this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll tell you what, it's not because it's not a good movie. No, that is no. dead wrong. It is a great movie. Please check it out if you haven't. Um, and it's not because Sam yeah. works for Scott because he technically doesn't do that anymore. So this is just it, me recommending the movie. It's great. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts? My thought, I mean, you know, we, you know, we, we, we went over this for like, for like, again, an hour and a half uh on your pod so um i'm i'm most of my thoughts i've i've uh, already shared but i think yeah i think it's it was very interesting I, for me movies like this need to be shorter um and i think one thing about the last duel is that it felt short because of how it was structured so it's structured this is not really a spoiler it's structured as three chapters um, so it's this this one event happening through the eyes of one person, then another and another. And to me, some people said that made it feel longer. To me, that made it feel much faster. So I found it much more like watching three episodes of a TV show than watching a one, two and a half hour long movie, which is too long for a movie, guys. Too long for a movie. Come on. Hour 45. Let's go. Um, but um, I thought that, you know, Ridley is an amazing director and he really knows how to direct these action sequences. And 
yet this movie is so much more than an action sequence. Sequence, and he he somehow is able to do both. So he has this big action sequence, and you see it at the beginning, and then you see it again at the end, and everything that happens in between these two action sequences, or the same action sequence told twice, is what convinces you, which completely changes the way you're looking at the action sequence. So that is, I think, super interesting how he plays with um, your ideas about who you should root for and who these characters are and why you should care about them. And very, very solid movie. Really enjoyed The Last Duel. Yeah, great movie again. Check it out. Uh, It's phenomenal. All right. My number two. Your number two, Sam. Yes. My number two is Succession Season 3. And uh, I almost want to like play the theme song here because it is the best theme song. Uh, it's another HBO. I realize all of my uh, TV shows here are HBO shows. Uh, in fact, I'm repping Warner hard. Four out of my five are Warner um, or AOL, AT&T, Warner. So what, what, I'm definitely what Warner. It's isn't it Warner Discovery now too. Um, it's it's confusing. Yes, now. yeah. I think at the time they were AT&T, but yes, Discovery. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, it's Warner Brothers. It's the big WB. 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 <laughs> that one. Those. Those guys. Um, but no, Succession is, you know, it is, I think it's the best show on television. I think it is, it is the next Game of Thrones. I really do think that. It is obviously not to the same extent where there are, uh, like, just the entire world is watching it. I don't think the finale of Succession is going to garner as much attention as the finale of game of thrones i also think the finale of succession is going to be better than the finale of game of thrones and this show is so able to it starts out you you think the show the season's going to go in one direction every season starts out in a very similar fashion and they really go to some some interesting places where you're like they're going to change this show up and they're going to make it something completely different and then at the end of the season they manage to pull it back and bring you back to basically the status quo they have slight variations and definitely it it doesn't feel like it's just repeating the same thing every every season but they managed to bring it back towards a a similar driving force at the end of the show and i think that's just an amazing party trick the show pulls that it is able to do that without making me hate it because there's so many shows um there was the show i watched in high school called uh revolution and the the whole show is about i will spoil this one because it's so long ago and but the, the whole point of that show is they're trying to, all the power in the world is shut off and they're trying to turn it back on. And in the season finale of the show, they turn the power back on. And in the very first episode of season two, they turn it off again. And they like, something happens and they have to turn it off. And it is just the cheapest trick that ever anyone ever pulled. Succession does a very similar thing, but I love it. And it's able to do it where it makes just enough change. So going into the next season, there's just enough of the shift that you, you still care about these characters. They're so amazing. The performances are amazing. And it just does this where it's it, it, it's telling the same story, but it's doing it in just enough of a, a character dynamics and who is on what side going into the new season that, that it, it really doesn't matter. It's just, it's just amazing succession. Can't recommend it enough. I, it's close to a perfect show. It's not perfect, but it's close to a perfect show. All right, Sabur. What is your favorite film of 2021? Okay, I'm sorry that um, I am a film student. Uh, I am aware of that, but uh, I am a. Uh, uh, but the reason why I got into films is multiple two reasons. Uh, one of them was superheroes, and mm-hmm. um, my number one film has to be Spider-Man: No Way Home. Look, nice. I think this movie. Let me just say this: this movie is Spider-Man: Endgame. I mean, that's what most people said. This movie is a collection of... The movie is a, is, is a movie from years and years in the making. And it's like my childhood all over again, almost. This yeah. movie had everything. And I know I'm not going to say any spoilers because this movie, you got to see. You have to experience everything firsthand. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie is everything. Like, I mean, I can't say much about it. Is it, is it going to get nominated for Oscars? Maybe not. I mean, I think it should, but maybe not. (laughs) But this movie is so good because I I think it just pays homage to first and foremost, all the fans of Marvel and all the fans of Spider-Man, the character. I think it does such a good job with first that. And I think it just makes you understand kind of who Spider-Man is. I think that is what this movie does. It really understands the core 
and what separates Spider-Man from all these different heroes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is something that this movie really emphasized on. This movie yeah. really, really emphasized on that thought of why Spider-Man mm-hmm. is not like Iron Man, why he's not like Captain America, why he's not like all the other Marvel heroes. It really shows mm-hmm. you. And I think that is something uh, that was done really well. And yeah. by bringing back all the villain characters, I think that's really good because um, it gets these villain characters um, a proper send-offs, uh, essentially. So I think that's um, really, really great in that respect. Um, but yeah, like it's a collection of multiple years of the Spider-Man character. Um, mm-hmm. It brings so much Easter egg, so much comic book fan. But I think it just does a great job of doing that, you know, appreciating all the fans, accommodating for everybody. Yeah. And it also has great themes in the movie. And it just really shows you of who Spider-Man is on display. And I think yeah. there's multiple forms of media that have done that. And this might be one of the best ones, probably. Like yeah. it's it's so good. Um, and Spider-Man's there's no no stranger danger to t- having great movies, you know, into the Spider-Verse, into Spider-Man 2. I don't know, is it better than those films? Maybe, honestly, because of just what it does. And I think this is something, I think it's a great, I know Marvel's maybe not the, being the greatest in cinematic masterpieces, but this movie just did it, it a collection of multiple different, uh, collection of multiple years in the making. And it really showed you who Spider-Man is as a character. And I feel like that mm-hmm. is why I love this movie so much. That whole, that's yeah. like, I, without giving anyway any spoilers, that's really yeah. what I can say about the movie. <laughs> Yes. Uh, um, uh, I know you saw this actually a couple days ago. I did. I saw it, uh, yeah, recently because well, we we're recording this on December 20th and it came out, I think, the 17th. So I just saw it. Um, I saw it on yeah, Thursday. I, what? I saw it Thursday. I think you saw it Thursday too, right? Yeah, I think we might have seen it the same day. Um, yeah, this movie is it's a, it's a great Spider-Man movie. I think this, this movie had everything. It had everything from the the like big cinematic moments, you know, the moments where people literally just shriek um, insanely in the theater. I thought there were some uh, girls behind me during one moment that uh, I'm sure we both know the moment I'm talking about where um, I thought they were going to die. Like they were, seemed like they were going to have a heart attack. And uh, it also manages, I think it manages to keep the story surprisingly grounded on these three central characters of um, Spider-Man, MJ, and, uh, Ned and I really think it it does a great job of that of uh, really making this the story of these three people because in a lot of these films the the main character kind of gets lost so like Captain America Civil War is not a Captain America movie it's Avengers Civil War and you said it's Spider-Man Endgame and in a way that's true but it's still very much uh, Peter Parker's story and it's still very much Doctor Strange uh, is out of the movie for a good chunk of it and uh, all of these things that we thought were going to be filling the movie up too much and making it messy uh, really kind of go away towards the end. And it becomes this story of these three characters um, and their relationship and trying to solve the relationship. I also thought it did a very good job, likewise, uh, like kind of on the same um, tangent as this, uh, threading the needle between being the sequel to um, Far From Home and Homecoming that were these small, much smaller kind of friendly neighborhood Spider-Man stories and being the newest Avengers film, basically. And I thought it did a very good job of being both of those things, of being, uh, of doing, having the like, oh, they're trying to get into college and how will they get, will they get, a, you know, will they get accepted? And also doing the, the huge, you know, world ending stakes um, without ever, you know, resorting to a beam in the sky. Um, yeah, I thought I, I was very worried about this film. Not really worried because I kind of like, I, I, no longer passionately following Marvel, but I was like very, I thought the movie was going to be really bad because, you know, Eternals was not, it was not great. And um, they were were shooting Spider-Man. They were shooting like pickups for Spider-Man like two weeks ago. They were, they, it was crazy. The quick turnaround, they were working on this film until the very last minute. And you can definitely tell there are some shots where, where you can tell the CGI is half-baked. Um, it definitely had the least polish uh, to me of any uh, Marvel movie where I was, there were a lot of moments where I'm like, Ooh, huh. That was not finished, but it doesn't matter because the story is there. And at the end of the day, all the CGI in the world can't paper over a bad story and all the bad CGI in the world. Well, it could, if it's bad enough, but uh, all the bad CGI in the world can't really paper over a great story. And this is a great story. 
I, I love what you said about the, the three characters of Peter and Ned and uh, MJ. And I feel like that's something that I didn't bring uh, talk about. And I think that is something that's important. And I think that, you know, both of these stories, you kind of also have these cinematic growths. And I feel like this movie really was focused on that. And I think that's something that they really focused on. And I like how after this, uh, uh, you know, after you've seen this movie, what they do for the character um, overall uh, going mm-hmm. forward as well. So yeah. I think that yeah. that's something great. But it's guys, go watch this movie. Yeah. Um, it's great. You'll have a great time. Yeah. All right. My number one Here we go. is Titan. And this movie was a lock for my favorite of the year from... I think the moment I saw it, the moment I stepped out of the theater, it has, I am a sucker for a visceral theatrical experience. And this movie has a visceral theatrical experience. There were moments where I was just curled up against the, I was like right on the side of the theater. I was like right against kind of, you know, like the, the curtain wall thing they have in the theater. And I was like, there were moments where I was like curled up against it, like hugging the curtain trying to like not look but also look there were moments where i was like i jumped there were moments where i like laughed where i like i don't know if i cried but like there were just so many different visceral reactions i had throughout the course of this movie and that is really what cinema is about for me is just having these reactions that are so intense um without expecting you're going to have them from this experience so you can go into a movie like a rom-com and be like i'm gonna there's going to be funny and it's, you're going to be sad. There's going to be one, they're all going to come together. Titan was a complete unknown entity for me. Um, the movie, the premise of this film is so bizarre. And I don't actually think it's a spoiler to say, but do you know what this film's about, Sabor? Not really. The only thing I know so, about this film is it's a hard movie. So this is a movie about a woman and this is not a spoiler. Um, because another thing about this film is that the, the, the premise for 30 minutes uh, is a very different film from the premise of the rest of the film. At the break into two, something happens and it is a completely different film for the rest of it. Some might not like it as much. It's definitely very like, it goes from like slashery and kind of like intense, almost funny kind of uh, horror, but horror is not really the right word, like thriller comedy to like this really aw- like emotional portrait of a father and a daughter. Um, and it does so brilliantly. But the premise of this film is essentially this woman has sex with cars and gets pregnant with a car's baby and goes on the run with this baby car that is growing inside of her body. This is the premise of this serious film that was the French, uh, the French entrant into the Oscars for this year. And it is the single greatest thing I've seen in a very long time. It it not only does it like totally deliver on that premise in the most shocking and just bizarre ways possible, but there are so many, like I could sit here and talk for 10 minutes, like spoil this movie for 10 minutes straight, explain to you everything I can remember. And there's still gonna be like 50 different amazing elements that I forgot to mention that will make every scene is a hall of fame scene in Tatan. And I think I watched, so I saw Tatan first, I watched her other film, uh, Julia, Julia, Julia DeJourneau's other film, uh, Raw, after that. And Raw is, it, it's a different, it, it again has a very fantastical premise and a wild premise. And it, that one's a little bit more close to like, this is a horror film. But at the end, both of her films are stories of family. And they are stories of whether they're um, uh, family by birth or found family in the case of Titan. They are stories of family and about broken people coming together and finding a way to mend themselves together. And they, it's, a movie about a woman who fucks cars is also one of the most heartwarming experiences of this year. And that is insane. And I, yes, this movie I could talk about for another two hours because it is, it is a fantastic piece of art. Yeah. Uh, um, only thing I have, only thing, only knowledge I have of the movie is three couple things. Uh, my friend told me, or he posted on a story while he was making this movie a time. Uh, he was shooting his horror movie and he's like time to go relax. And then he just, and then his review of the movie was this movie was not a relaxing movie. And then I was nope. working usher. I was working. I was, uh, I was working in the theater that day. And this one guy told me that he was going to go take a smoke because this movie was so hard, a hard movie. I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means, but you know, it is tough to watch. I, there are definitely moments where it is, there are some some scenes 
where it is just like, I don't know how people have those ideas for things they can do to characters, if that makes sense. Like there's some movies like Saw, for instance, where just brutal, brutal things happen. And it's kind of done in a tongue in cheek, like almost like Rube Goldberg machine kind of way that doesn't take itself too seriously. This movie goes there with some truly brutal sequences where I'm like, oh, I cannot imagine, I would never in a million years imagine that a human could do this to another human. Uh, and it's not, it's play, and it somehow is not played for laughs, but it's still hilarious. And it, this movie goes, yeah, from like the most brutal thing you've ever seen to a laugh out loud comedy in um, 30 seconds. It is, it is, it is uh, a masterpiece. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'd love to check it out. Um, yeah. Again, you know, haven't I mean, you know, I mean, you're you're done college. I'm still in college, so <laughs> I have have to find time. I gotta watch yeah. all those HBO shows, and yeah, I will. I will definitely watch uh, Titan. Uh, definitely, yeah, title to that. So good. All right, so before we go, where can people find you online? And I always like to add this little curveball. Uh, what's one way they can get a response out of you, and one way to guarantee you delete their message? Is it guaranteed delete their message? Yeah. So like what's a good way of reaching out in a bad way? Oh, okay. Well, um, okay. Well, here's the way they can reach. Well, I have an Instagram, um, uh Sabor S A B U R dot Tahir uh one at uh inst- um that's my Instagram. <laughs> um if you guys um okay, so if you guys want to follow me, uh, because there's a lot of I'm you know um, if you guys want to follow me or whatever, cause it's a private account, you know, cause you know, college student or whatever, um, just, and you just let me know who you guys are by like uh, f- fan of fan of the screenwriter podcast. And, uh, we can have a conversation and whatnot. Um, and you said, what, uh, what, what, what could have me? Well, if you say, uh, if you state from where you're from, like who you are, like fan of the screenwriter podcast, um, you know, I think that is something that, you know, you kind of go from there so i think that that's what it is so just you gotta stay you know where you're from and everything like that or uh yeah that's probably what i would say just that Mm -hmm. um uh, but other than that if i don't know you and you say hey or something sometimes i'll be nice i'll go like what's up can i do for you but if you kind of just you know are a little scary or something then sometimes (laughs) i get scared but uh yeah just people who listening to this um i would love to talk to you guys uh i assume these are all friends of sam's and uh Mental screenwriters. I'm a, a director screenwriter myself. Go to Emerson College. Uh, I hate to say this, but it is a one of the best uh, film schools in the nation. So you know, always there. But yeah, you want to follow or whatever. Just uh, you know, follow a fan of the pod, and uh, I'll let you all through. And we can have a nice, you know, intellectual conversation about life and film. Wonderful. All right, Sabur, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat about your favorite entertainment of 2021. And guys, if you haven't listened to Sabur's podcast, Express and Refresh, go take a listen. A link to both of the episodes that we did together, deep dives on The Last Duel and House Gucci will be in the show notes. You can find this show online at screenwriterssurvivalguide.com and you can find me on Instagram at Sam Brooks Presents. If we're delivering any insight or value to you, please, guys, drop us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and follow us so you can get every new chapter of the show as it airs. And until next time, guys, don't just survive, thrive.